How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensie. Tim, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good, doing good. For once, it's not freezing, and it's almost December. Kind of crazy. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess Chinooks do roll in every so often, but yeah, it's been warm for most of the week after it was, uh, well, sub-zero. Wow, that's crazy to think, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, well, I know Stampeder fans aren't happy right now after they lost last night to the Argonauts in the Grey Cup. Yeah, I didn't watch the game myself, but uh, I've seen the memes. Wait, there's memes about it? Yeah, there's uh, a photo of the fumble, and they replaced the football with the Grey Cup. Oh, ouch. <laughs> oh, that and must hurt, I eh? follow Marineshi on Facebook and uh, sorry not Facebook Twitter and John Tory's been rubbing it in his face uh, Toronto's mayor John Tory's been rubbing it in his face <laughs> that's funny mm-hmm. I shouldn't be talking because my writers lost to the Argos in the Eastern Finals yeah which is always a weird statement I'm surprised the CFL has yet enough teams to not require that crossover. Well, honestly, I'm hearing that they're considering expansion into Halifax. Yeah, I've heard that too. Um, and if like SAS, sorry, if Regina can support a team, then Halifax can support a team. Yeah, I think the Halifax team would be more of the whole Atlantic Canada as as one whole, not as just Nova Scotia's team. Because mm-hmm. I know they tried that in the 80s with the Atlantic Sooners. And apparently they bought the old New England Patriots scoreboard to start play, but apparently because they didn't get a team, it's just been sitting in a warehouse for the past 30-some years. <laughs> yeah, I think the hard part will be finding a place to play because I'm not sure St. Mary's University is big enough. Right. But I think that's a story for a different day. It is. So before we go into talking about the week and everything that we got to do tonight... I got to talk about a few things that happened this past week because honestly, I don't think I could have done this episode and not talk about these two stories that happened. (laughs) So I'm going to let you decide which one do you want to hear first? Do you want to hear the good story or the bad story? I think you always start with the bad news, don't you? Yes, you do. So Tim, I don't know if you've been reading the news or been keeping up on social media this past week, but there has just been a shitstorm brewing here on Vancouver Island and across BC as a province. Uh, nope. What happened? Okay, so earlier this week, there was a news story that came out, and this really hit home because it happened here in Duncan. Okay. So the story goes that earlier this week, there was three people, ages 20, 17, and 16. Apparently, they had kidnapped a one-year-old cat whose owner was a former friend of theirs. And they decided to be fucking idiots and decide to abuse this cat. Oh, that's sad. 
Yes, and this is what I have. So apparently they wrote 666 in its ear. Ugh. They shaved it, and they force-fed it MDMA, which is a party drug known as Molly. Ugh. Oh, believe me, it gets worse. Ugh. So apparently, these fucking idiots decided to make Snapchat videos of abusing this cat, and they send it to the owner. Wow. Videos of them abusing the cat, and then after they had force-fed it Molly, they threw it out a window into the woods and made it fight for itself out in the cold. What the hell? I know. So apparently, there was a stranger who saw this on, or saw the post on Facebook that this that the owner had posted about the cat and her and one of her friends apparently were walking to a corner store when they found the cat. Was it alive? It was. It was alive and it was pretty beat up and it was scared and I don't blame it. Yeah, no kidding. So this is the good, now this is really, I really like. They contacted the owner of the cat to let him know that, hey, we found it. Mm-hmm. And they also, they took the cat to the vet where the cat is recovering from the drugs that's in the system, but according to the news story, the cat should make a full recovery. Now oh, that's R- good. Yeah. Now, the RCMP arrested these three fucks, and they later released them under se- several conditions, one of them being that they can't be in possession of an animal or, I believe it's like 100 feet from the owner. Mm-hmm. Now, the owner of the cat stated in the news story, or no, Sorry, it was her mom that posted in the news story that came out that the incident has been seen as animal abuse and cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. So tra- charges have been pressed? At the moment, I don't know if there has been. I-, I will have to look into that later on. But, you know, I read this story and I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, how fucking dense are these fuckers that they're posting this shit on Snapchat? Criminal acts aren't usually well-motivated in that sense, so it's hard to say, but uh, yeah, it's uh, let the legal system do its work. Yeah. Because uh, I've got a feeling, because if this did happen over social media, uh, there probably will be some tendency to vigilanteism. Oh, believe me. If you go onto their social media, oh, there are so many death threats. I mean, I can't even believe just how outraged people here in BC are. Well, like, I think outrage is one thing, but... Uh, but there, no, seriously, there's death threats on their social media now that people yeah, have posted. Yeah, and the thing, though, is uh, that sort of thing gets taken into consideration in sentencing and can be used to com- to bring down the length of the, si- the sentence. Like, uh, recall in the Duke case a few years ago where the guy on the swim team was caught basically uh, having his way with uh, the passed out girl behind a dumpster. The, yeah. And the internet found who he was, doxed his parents, all that sort of stuff. That was taken into consideration, and uh, his sentence was uh, was much reduced because of it. So that sort of vigilanteism often runs counter to the stated goal, because it does interfere with justice being done. It does, unless you're Batman. Yeah. So, look, I mean, I'm reading this story, and I have talked to Neil from Maple Syrup Shots, and hopefully they will also talk about it on MSS this week. However, you know, looking at this story, I like animals. 
I I'm, I'm wouldn't call myself necessarily a cat person. I'm cool with them. Like, I've owned them. I personally wouldn't own them if I had the choice. <laughs> I mean, we've got some strays here in the neighborhood. There's a black cat with really long legs. I call it Blackie Long Legs. <laughs> and we're cool. Yeah, I'm cool with it. You know, I sometimes find it sleeping on my car, and I'm petting it going, Hey, buddy, how you doing? And then I'm thinking, Okay, get the hell off my car. I got to go to work. You know, but shit like that. But I wouldn't go out of my way to abuse or hurt this cat no and yeah at some point you have to wonder what's exactly wrong with the people who do that sort of thing yeah i've told this to people who i work with i said this is why i like animals over humans because animals wouldn't do shit like this to other animals well unless they want to eat them yeah but i'm not talking about that i'm talking about going so out of their way to conflict harm on an animal um, some cats do get sadistic, though. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you're man's incompetent best friend. Or, sorry, incompetent roommate. <laughs> so just to yeah, close out the story. Like, one of my cats was, like, she was a brutal hunter. Like, uh, she'd intentionally, like, bite limbs off and kind of watch them go around in circles. Jesus, that's fucked up, man. Yeah, but uh, that... Just because cats do some fucked up shit doesn't exonerate people from doing fucked up shit. So just to close out the story, uh, the 20-year-old that was involved in this story actually asked my sister out to prom when he was in 12th grade. And my mom apparently told me that my sister wanted nothing to do with him, saying that he was just so weird that he she absolutely wanted nothing to do with him. And I didn't know about this until this story came out. Oh, no. Your sister has a good creep radar. Well, I hope so. I mean, yeah, if this is the only one, then that's good. Yeah, well, that's test positive right there. Yeah. So let's go into a positive story. Now, you recall last week I was talking about the guys at Tagger and Torrance. Yeah. So on Monday morning, um, have you ever been to this pub called the Vinyl Needle Tavern in Edmonton? No, but I know where you're going with this. Okay, so if you've been following the news, you're obviously very aware of all these sexual harassment stories that have come out against guys like Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, Louis C.K. Senator Al Franken. Al Franken. You know, some pretty sick stuff coming out of Hollywood. Well... This is... Fuck, I don't even know, man. Like, I'll go into the story. So the owner of the Edmonton Bar, Vinyl Needle Tavern, has been accused of sexual harassment by a couple of his female employees. Now, the day that this came out, Taggart and Torrance were supposed to be doing a show there that night, but decided to switch venues out of good consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so, knowing that the staff would lose hundreds of dollars in tips without them having their show there that night. <coughs> the guys at Tagger and Torrens decided to do a real bod move, which I tweeted out and it got liked by both Jonathan Torrens and Jeremy Taggart. The guys decided to donate half the proceeds of their signed eight by 10 pictures to the wait staff. Nice. Yeah. And then the, the vine, like the vinyl turnpike or whatever it's called, uh, didn't it end up closing down over the weekend? I don't know. I didn't read that story. So it could have. I don't know. I didn't hear anything about that. 
Yeah, I remember seeing a follow-up story to that because apparently that owner had been, it was kind of a hush-hush known thing in the Edmonton music scene. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, the vinyl. Vinyl needle. Vinyl needle, the needle. Let's see, news. Yeah, and that's right downtown Edmonton too, hey? Fuck, that's greasy. Closes indefinitely. Nice! Popular Edmonton downtown bars, shut down indefinitely after... Yeah, I was blackout drunk, wrote me several times after I repeatedly say no. Oh, God, that's fucked up. Yeah. And you know what, Tim? I'm somebody who has worked in the food industry since I was 18. We, I've never had an owner that... Or an owner that I've worked with that has groped employees. I knew a guy who worked at a restaurant here in Duncan who quit his job after the owner cheated on his wife. But nothing like this. So I really do commend Taggart Torrens for donating the proceeds to the waitstaff because, believe me, if you work in restaurants or you work in bars, those tips, that's your lifeline right there. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, granted, you, you, don't get, you don't get paid much working in those places. You get minimum wage at best. You might get a couple bucks more if you're one of the cooks. But, yeah, if you're a waiter, then... Fuck, you're getting paid peanuts. Yeah, it's like two dollars. I think it's two eighty was the minimum in BC last I checked. Because the law is that you're you make either base uh, base wage sub minimum wage plus your tips or minimum wage minimum <coughs> wage whichever's less. And a lot of the time, uh, things get misreported. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? I am done talking about these two stories. So I'm going to segue into the, the little topic I like to call Top of the Hour. So just like last week, Tim, unfortunately, we got to start on a somber note. It was reported that former Arizona Coyotes owner George Gosby passed away at age 47. The cause of death was unknown at the time of the story breaking. Gosby has been credited as the person who, outside of Gary Bettman, helped keep the Coyotes in Arizona. That's sad, but uh, I don't know. I guess I like the idea of a team in Phoenix just because that is one of the U.S.'s fastest growing cities. Yeah, because I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it at the time when they moved there, they had like that huge population boom in Phoenix? Yes. Yeah, and Phoenix continues to grow. It's currently the fifth largest metro area in the United States. And yet, none of them actually support any of those sports teams. Yeah, I can at least understand. Like, Phoenix, at least, they have the Ottawa argument. I can't even say that because they had an arena downtown for the Coyotes and people still didn't go. Oh, wow. No, I could be wrong. I'm don't not sure where in Phoenix. Uh, it's America... in Glendale. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not referring to the, uh, the arena in Glendale, but when they were playing in Phoenix. Because that's where the Suns played, too. I think that's still fairly out of town. Hmm. I'll have to look it up, though. Yeah. All right, while you're doing that, Tim, I'll move on to the next story. Now, this one really caught my eye, and I just got to say, move over, David and Victoria. There's a new power couple in town that's going to be having some good-looking kids. It was reported oh. Eric and Melinda Carlson have announced on Instagram they are expecting their first child. Melinda announced the pregnancy on her Twitter account. And Insta I loved and her Instagram. tweet, too. It was first Cubs love, then Cubs marriage, dot, 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 the picture of Carlson holding her from behind. 
Yeah. I like it. It was super cute. God, can you imagine what their kids are going to look like, Tim? Can you imagine how good at hockey they're going to be? Oh, my God. I know, right? Yeah, I know. I'm excited. I don't know. I saw that tweet. I was like, aww. That's great. Congratulations, guys. So let's go into the next story. The NHL has announced that the Philadelphia Flyers will host an outdoor game as a part of the 2019 Stadium Series at Lincoln Financial Stadium, where the currently 10-1 Philadelphia Eagles play. The Flyers will play the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is the second time Philadelphia is hosting an outdoor game and fourth overall, while the Penguins are playing in their fifth. Something, something, the NHL are beating these into the ground. I stand by what I said. <laughs> You're probably correct in this assessment. Like I said, it's it was cool when it first happened, but after a couple of years, it's like, okay. Yeah, the novelty is sort of worn off, guys. Yeah, and the games tend to be kind of screwy anyway. Yeah, it's a glorified pond hockey game. It's not physical. Yeah, hope you enjoy it. Oh, believe me, I will enjoy the game. <laughs> There's still no word on whether or not I'm going to go see the 67s play on the, the outdoor game the next day, though. I believe the Tet Twitter consensus was you should. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll look into tickets and we'll see what's going on about that. Mm-hmm. Sticking with the Philadelphia Flyers, Tim. Now, you recall last episode we talked about Ratko Gudas, who is... He got in some trouble after he slashed Jets forward Matthew Perrone in the back of the head. Well, we talked about this. He was suspended 10 games this past week. Yeah, that's... I don't know. I always... I'm never sure what's enough for these sort of acts. Because I guess 10 seems a lot, but... In reality, it's not that huge of a chunk of a season. Not really, anyway. Yeah, at least he got something. Yeah. Not to be outdone, though, Nashville Predators' Austin Watson was also suspended two games after his boarding of Colorado forward Damiki Tonato. Never heard of him. Neither have I. I don't even know if I'm actually saying his name right, Tim. I haven't actually seen this hit. How bad is it? Uh, it's not that bad. I mean, granted, I haven't seen the clip recently, so I couldn't accurately tell you but from what i saw it didn't look too bad i think he got injured on the play if i'm not mistaken okay all right well at least they're suspending people so that's something now our next story i vaguely remember this happening uh i don't know if you remember this happening at all back in march of 2016 at a philadelphia flyers game a Flyers fan got stabbed to death by a New Jersey Devils fan. What? Yeah, so... Like, I know Philadelphia is a fucking aggressive city. Like, Uh, this is the city that booed Santa Claus, for fuck's sakes. And they threw uh, snowballs at him, too. Yeah. That's fitting, given that we're talking about the Eagles that happened at their game. Alright, so the story... This is straight up murder. Oh, it is. The story goes, New Jersey Devils fan Stephen... Simminger has been found guilty of murder after stabbing 24-year-old Colin McGovern to death merely over his love of the devil's rival, the Philadelphia Flyers. The stabbing happened in March of 2016 at a Flyers game. Simminger 
will be sentenced in January 2018. Jesus Christ. I mean, look, as like we're hockey fans, Tim. We've been fans for a long time. I would never even think of stabbing a Leafs or a Habs fan or any rival of our team just because they cheer for that team. I mean, yeah, we could chirp them and we go, oh, your team hasn't won a cop recently. And they can go, yeah, neither is your team. But I'm not yeah, going to stab him. I don't think it even has to be say, said that we wouldn't even think of stabbing a person. Exactly. At all. Let alone over hockey. That's stuff that they do over in Europe, man. Like, if you ever watch some of those documentaries about the football factories, like in Scotland, England, Italy, places like this, like, there's sh- shit really happens over there, man. Like, they're getting... Guys are getting stabbed. They're getting hit with bottles. It's fucking crazy over there. Well, I think the worst that ever happened was the was the crush in uh, I think it was the early like early nineties or late eighties in that FA Cup game between Liverpool and I forget who they were playing. But it was yeah, a famous I, incident where hundred people like a hundred people died. Uh, ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. Actually, that wasn't due to. Um hooliganism but it was because they thought hooliganism was going to happen of the pens like they had the pens where fans could stand and they got just crushed up against that Mm -hmm. one of the guys actually was the cousin of liverpool legend steven gerrard too Mm -hmm. like it's nuts because that happened because they had they had to keep the fans separate or they would have gone at each other yeah but they hadn't given liverpool enough uh tickets to like uh, ticket wickets to go through. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't really say that, but I know fans are pretty good about staying on their own side of the field. And I know in Scotland, the big rivalry there is Celtic and Rangers. And it is very much a very, it's for religious reasons why those two hate each other. And also given that they're the two Glasgow teams. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we're getting yeah. off topic, Tim. Let's go into our next story. Now, you recall that we were talking earlier about the Vinyl Needle Tavern and their owner being accused of sexual harassment? Yep. Apparently, hockey mascots are also doing it. The story came out that Tim Smith, who is the man in the Bailey costume, Bailey is the Los Angeles Kings mascot, is being accused of sexual harassment after he allegedly grabbed Masso Griffin's buttocks in an elevator. Griffin claimed that the incident was followed by humiliating derogatory remarks around the office as well as backlash from the HR department. The director of HR involved with this particular complaint happened to be Melissa Smith, the wife of the man accused. Oh. Huh, that sounds like a lovely overall situation. Yeah... Shame to say that a lot of these guys are turning into the crunch, crunch, crunch guy from Tiger and Torrens. Yeah. Maybe mascots do deserve the hate they get. Maybe. We don't have any more fun stories on here, do we? Uh, not, not particularly, no. No. Okay. Should we uh, go on to the next story? Yeah. Okay, so... Next story we're going to talk about, but first I'm going to hit you with a little musical cue, Tim. Aww.
Okay, so former NHL tough guy Riley Cote admits to regularly using marijuana to cope with the anxiety and pain during and after his hockey career. I'll just stop that for a second. Cote's founded Athletes for, Cure, for Care, a nonprofit organization that advocates for the holistic approach to wellness for current and retired athletes. That's kind of that's interesting. Although, uh, I guess in his situation, medicinal use is, it's, I don't know enough to say about this, but if it works for him, good for him. Although it is a bit of a black mark against uh, groups like the NHLPA, the NHL, Football Players Association, etc., that they aren't, they really aren't doing enough to help ex-players. Yeah, I, I don't got much to say on it. Yeah, there was a New York Times article that I saw the other day about a former enforcer on the Washington Capitals, I think it was Palais or something like that, uh, who's basically homeless because uh, the CTE symptoms have become so extreme that uh, his dad doesn't feel safe having his son in his house. Wow, that's fucked up. Yeah, and the NHLPA has done fuck all. That's like Mike Peluso after, I recall an article came out last year that he, CTE, has gotten also really bad. Not to the extreme where he is now homeless, but it's still pretty messed up. Yeah, I'll have to find the story and send it to you because it's really sad. And it's interesting because uh, the New York Times reporter, he he hasn't actually, he didn't write the article per se. All he did was he uh, posted all the emails he got from uh, the former enforcer's father. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely find that and send it in my way. So we're going to go into talking about New York Islander forward Jordan Eberly was asked regarding his former team, the Edmonton Oilers, on their struggles. Now, Eberly was quick to defend his teammates, However, he went on to rip the media, saying that the Edmonton media can be brutal, especially when you're struggling with confidence on the ice. Yeah, the Edmonton media is cutthroat, and uh, it's interesting because a lot of people came out and supported Everlay, including Taylor Hall. I did see that. Guess who responded negatively to this, and extremely negatively? I'm going to guess Oilers head coach Todd McLennan. Uh, the Oilers media, specifically Paul, sorry, uh, Mark Spector. Oh. He went so far as to call Jordan Eberle mentally weak. Ouch. Oh, that's brutal. And then he goes on, and when people responded saying that he he was being needlessly abusive or the fact that he was really kind of promoting what, what uh, he was really exemplifying what Everly was talking about. He went on to say that he was being he was being fair and he wouldn't. It's right to call a spade a spade. Yeah, Edmonton as a sports city has been really. They've been really spoiled since they came into the NHL after the Oilers' success in the '80s and then 1990. I mean, they went through a few years where they missed the playoffs and they were sort of a rebuilding team. But then they came back in the late 90s up until 2003. And after that, they missed the playoffs in 04. Lockout 05 made the finals 06. But from 07 till 2016, they did not 
even come close to making the playoffs. So I can understand in that time period why the media would be so hard on the players. Given and, all the success you know that they had. I really wouldn't have a problem with it if uh, people like Spectre and Matheson were as fair as they claim to be. But however, they're picking on young kids who don't really have a support network in place. However, they leave out guys who are performing very poorly, like Milan Lucic, Chris Russell, and that carousel of poor coaches and poor management. And it's very telling that they never ever speak ill about Edmonton management or the sort of deals that the Edmonton makes, the Edmonton Oilers make. It's only about how Yakupov's a bust, Eberle's not very good, R&H, it might be time for him to go because he's not good in the room, etc., etc. And you know why they don't go after management, Tay? Why is this? They can't. They know that journalism has become decentralized and as bloggers become more sophisticated, these guys realize that their only value is the fact that they have access to the inside of the organization. And let's be immediately clear here. This isn't true for all sports reporters. Guys like Ian Mendez and Bob McKenzie will always be popular and people will always pay attention to them because they are very good at what they do. They're very charismatic. They have a lot of energy and they're just great guys to be around getting access isn't hard for these sorts of people no no like, but you know you could say this about any canadian franchise and i know even about six seven years ago when the canucks were a cup contender and i just remember how brutal they were on roberto luongo when he had a bad game and i would always say well it's not roberto's fault when his team isn't scoring Hmm. and that's the thing is that for most people, like, yeah, they're super brutal. But for most people, getting access is hard. And once it's once it's lost, it's hard to get back. And I think Mark Spector realizes this. The Oilers have been known to be very fickle with their access, and I assume that the Canucks and the Maple Leafs are as well. And the Habs. Yeah. So there's certain targets for scorn that are verboten. Like, I imagine you probably can't speak ill about Shea Weber or Milan Lucic or Chris or Chris Russell recently getting that four million dollar co- contract or the magical mind of the last few owner GMs within uh, within Edmonton. I counter this, however, though Tim, is because mm-hmm. you recall when PK Subban played for Montreal, how hard the media also was on him as well, including his own teammates. Well, I think that's because he was a target that they were looking to move, so they didn't care. Because he was he was good enough on the ice that a bit of media shit-talking wouldn't ruin his trade value. And they didn't want him anymore. Yeah, and look where Montreal is now, Tim. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so let's so go to the next story, I think Tim. We're blame- I think we're talking about a symptom and not a cause. But then again, Mark doesn't win himself any sympathy when he starts attacking players' mental health or the intelligence of people who disagree with him. That's super low, and I think that's a sign of a corner beast, like someone who has nowhere really else to go. Yeah. Mark and guys like him know that Axis is the only reason he's relevant and is incredibly defensive to people disagreeing with him, lest what Mark knows becomes apparent to everyone else. I don't have any sympathy for him, as he could treat people with warmness and dignity and have access to players and coaches flow naturally to him, like Ian Mendez with Kyle Turris or Bob McKenzie with anyone. 
but he doesn't do that. No. And that's frustrating. So, so Tim, the next news story, I didn't realize until I just recently looked at it at the moment. The Montreal Canadiens are back in the news. Why? Well, Tim, I don't know if you were aware of this, but the Tory Mitchell sweepstakes are over. The Los Angeles Kings acquired Tory Mitchell from the Montreal Canadiens for a conditional pick in 2018. Mitchell went scoreless in 11 games for the Montreal Canadiens. Tory Mitchell is just a player that you don't really hear a lot about, but I'm not even sure if he... Well, I guess if he only played 11 games this season, he's in and out of the roster, so good on Montreal for getting something. Yeah. So we come to the end of Top of the Hour with an Ottawa Senators story. Ottawa Senators claimed Gabriel Dumont off waivers from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Dumont was drafted 139th overall in 2009 by Montreal. Now, you obviously saw the tweet online that somebody posted of a Wikipedia page for Gabriel Dumont. Yep. Yeah, and I saw that, and I'm thinking, you know what? Man, Ottawa, you know, they get a guy who's got some experience, and he looks like he can use a good shot. The age is kind of worried because I don't know how he's not dead. And then I realize this is not the same Gabriel Dumont that we picked up. No. Apparently he was like a matey leader in Western Canada, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was a uh, part of the the Louis Riel rebellion. If I be- yeah, the Red River Rebellion. <laughs> I just love how since Twitter just looked at that and be like, "Oh, this is such a great pickup for us." <clears throat> oh, yeah, he's uh, he's just a depth forward, and that's kind of it. Apparently, he was uh, he was well liked in Syracuse, yeah. uh, Tampa Bay's AHL affiliate, but. Uh, I can't really find much more than that. He was scoreless, I believe, in the games that he did play with Tampa Bay this season. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he played junior for Guy Boucher, and that's why Ottawa got him. Mm Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, this has been considered by people in the Ottawa Twitterverse as an unofficial trade of Guy Boucher guys. Yeah, because Chris DiDomenico got claimed off waivers by Tampa Bay. This is one of those... I don't really understand why Ottawa demoted him. Yeah, I don't know, because in the couple of games that we saw him in, he looked great. Like, he was scoring goals, he could move the puck. Now, I understand that his play sort of tapered off in the last several games, but if he's a depth forward, though... Well, he's a depth forward, but his play wasn't even that bad. No, I thought he played decently for the role he got. Yeah, like, if there's a spot... If there's spot for Pyatt, there's def- there definitely should have been a spot for Christine Domenico, and I think that's Ottawa's loss. Yeah. The joke is, is this is the unofficial trade, and if that's the case, then I think Ottawa got the worst player. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, enough fun. Let's go on to something that might actually be more depressing than our top of the hour. Are you talking about my ulcer from this week? Uh, are we talking about Tim's experience, prolonged experience with uh, poo-poo fish? <sighs> no. no. We have to talk about some games. Yeah. All right. So. Cue the music. No, not yet. The games that we got to talk about tonight 
And we got four of them on the schedule. We got the game against the New York Rangers, the game against the Capitals, the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the game versus the New York Islanders. But first, before we do anything... Yeah, gonna be cracking a couple of wheels tonight. Yeah, fuck. All right, Cue the music. Let's get this over with. Cue the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> All right, Tim. It's time to start talking about these games of the week, and we'll start with. The Ottawa Senators versus the New York Rangers. This was a 3-0 Rangers victory. Shots were 27-20 for the New York Rangers. Goals were scored by Michael Grabner, Kevin Haynes, and Mika Sabinajad. It was all Rangers in this game. They got all the bounces, and even a few missed calls went against them. Or a few a few calls against them. Most notably, Sabinajad in the third period on Craig Anderson. Ottawa's downfall in this game was their sloppy playmaking. However, overall, they got better as the game went on. Anderson and Lundqvist both had solid games. Yeah, and the sad thing is it was just the Rangers didn't play much better. Uh, it was just they got the bounces and Ottawa didn't. Uh, in possession terms, Ottawa actually did end up playing the better game, even when you uh, strip out their extended penalty time. Um, one thing to mention is that Borvietsky went down after an awkward hit into the corner. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I didn't get a chance to see a lot of this game. Uh, I ended up going to another sushi place with, uh, Chelsea. Uh, Tim, we didn't Tim, have did you the, eat the, the fish. tuna again? No, I didn't eat the tuna. Oh, thank God. But, uh, yeah, it was, you could tell that the Senators had just come off a disappointing game the night before. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was hard to watch because the passes weren't working and, God, the power play looked terrible. Yeah, yes, they did. Because they had a five-minute, <clears throat> they had a five-minute major to work with, if I recall, and they couldn't do anything with it. Really? Yeah, after the Borvietsky hit. Wow. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, New York basically kept Ottawa to the outside for the majority of the game. Yeah, I don't have yeah. much to say about this game, to be quite honest with you, Tim. No, because it didn't seem like the uh, the Senators really did all that much that game and, well, didn't really try. Nope. Should we go on to our next game? Yeah. Okay. The Ottawa Senators versus the Washington Capitals. This was a 4-1 to Capitals victory. Shots were 31-15 for the Ottawa Senators. Sens goals were scored by Ryan Dezingle and Mike Hoffman. Washington goals were scored by Jacob Verana, who had two. Evgeny Kuznetsov. Alex Chason, who I didn't realize scored in this game because I I didn't watch the third period, and Alex Ovechkin. Overall, uh, you know what? I felt Washington and Ottawa, they both got a number of chances in this game. However, Washington was able to bury all those chances. And from the second period on, from what I saw, it looked like Washington had completely dominated. Yeah, it was pretty much it. Uh, Ottawa didn't really come out in the first, and by the time they really came around in the second, uh, there was already a three-point hole. And, uh, yeah, Ottawa just didn't have the legs to go. Um, I think it's becoming readily apparent that uh, Eric Carlson and uh, Bobby Ryan aren't really themselves right now. 
No, not at all. I mean, even though I know Bobby has been put with Matthew Shane, and there's been a lot of criticism of Duchesne since he's arrived in Ottawa, given that he is a minus eight, minus eight or eight. At this point, I think he's only minus eight. At that. But, you know what I said online, I think Bobby and Matt are developing some great chemistry, and hopefully he can score some goals out there. The hard thing, though, is Bobby Ryan has come out and admitted that he can't even take a one-timer right now, so... Was that just I from think his broken he's finger? been rushed back from his finger injury. Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, I've never suffered broken fingers myself, but I can imagine taking a one-timer, especially with some of the speed those passes come at you, it can be really difficult. Yeah, and it's it's almost as if uh, Bobby Ryan, like Bobby Ryan's hands, probably not completely healed, and yeah, I feel bad for the guy because it's. He can be doing everything right, but if his hands if his hands aren't good to go, then he's just not going to be able to finish on his chances as well. Um, one thing that was nice to see is uh, Ryan Dezingle put one in the net. Yeah, which is always great to see. Yeah, he's a guy who... Uh, he gets kind of maligned for not finishing on his chances, but Dezingle already has six on the year. And really? he actually has a fair... Uh, his, uh, his shooting percentage is around league average. Wow, I didn't even realize like, that. Yeah, which is nuts. And I think that kind of paints Ryan Dezingle in a different light. The fact that we think he can't put away these glorious chances, I think is more so the fact that he keeps getting these glorious chances, not that he has bad hands. Yeah, because he has proven at times that he does have great hands, but it's him putting the puck in the net, which has been a bit of a problem for him. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's putting it in around league average is a good sign, and I think uh, Dezingle will be a great top six forward going f- as uh, he continues to develop. Hopefully. Well, he's got all the pieces, and he's doing all the right things. Yeah, uh, Thomas Shabbat he... getting uh, an assist on the Dezingle goal is also awesome. Going back to the Dezingle, isn't he like 24, 25 years old? Yeah, he's he's not in his prime yet, which is awesome. Sorry, yeah, you're saying with Shabbat? Uh, yeah, Thomas Shabbat uh, assisted on that goal, and I really like seeing that Thomas Shabbat was getting some decent play time during that game. Shabbat got oops, one second. Shabbat uh, got Tim, 15. you owe everybody a beer, bud. Yeah, cheers. It was spam to boot. Thomas Shabbat got 15 minutes of ice, which is thank God more than Johnny Oduya. Yeah, that's always a good thing. That was until Thomas Shabbat got sent back to Belleville. But he's back. Is he? Yes, came back today. Oh, awesome. The intent was to send him back to play a game in Belleville while the Senators were resting to get him more, just get Shabbat more ice time. Ah, okay. Interesting thing to note is Nick Paul was below 10 minutes of ice time. Do you think the organization has soured on Nick Paul? I think so. I don't think it's the organization. I think it's Guy Boucher who has been... Who has really soured on him? Because I know Boucher doesn't really like playing a lot of the young guys. He Mm. likes a lot of more veteran guys. I know last season we didn't have any rookies on the team. Yeah, and it, I, I get the feeling that uh, Pierre Dorian is a lot more. He's more of a rookie development guy, which I think is good for Ottawa. Yeah, but if Boucher's not on the same page as Dorian, though, then it's a real. You come to a real cross on the road. Yeah, no kidding. 
And I don't know, I'm not sure if we've seen enough of Nick Paul to really say if uh, he's a good player or not. Yeah. And I've heard that he's been good enough in the AHL. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. And we've in the last two years, we've only had five games of Nick Paul. I think it would be premature if the organization soured on him. Yeah. Especially because he's only 22. Exactly. So, Tim, I don't got any more notes to talk about this game. Do you want to go on to the game against the Blue Jackets? Yeah. All right. So, I do have to point out, before we go into this now, this is the only game of the week I didn't get a chance to watch, given that work put on an American Thanksgiving dinner and just other things at the school I had to do. So, I didn't get a chance to sit down, but you and I were talking about turkey earlier today, Tim. Yes, we were. And, uh... On the Thursday, uh, Chelsea and I, we hosted an American Thanksgiving with our friends just uh, as an excuse to have a turkey. How'd it go? Uh, Quite well. Uh, The turkey came out really nice and uh, everything else we did potluck style. Okay. And we got, uh, one of our friends made this awesome mashed potatoes with with, uh, cheese and bacon. Really? And uh, I think it was a can and chili pepper mix. It was really good. Nice. Now, you were yeah. saying that Chelsea made some pulled turkey with the leftovers and served it on toasted buns with barbecue sauce? Yeah, like uh, we were talking and you were mentioning that uh, you took home some of the turkey and on the way home it kind of dried out. Yeah, as soon as I got home and I put it in the microwave because it had been cold, I ate some and I'm just like, it's kind of dry. Yeah, so uh, what we did is uh, our leftovers kind of dried out a bit in the fridge, so uh, we just threw it in the, yeah, we threw it in the slow cooker with uh, some, uh, chick with uh, some chicken soup stock and uh, a spice mix. Okay. And then the turkey absorbed a lot of the soup base, and then we just threw it on some buns, uh, toasted buns, and put some barbecue sauce on. It was great. Nice. Yeah, and I guess to our American listeners, happy Thanksgiving. Or as we Canadians call it, Thursday. Well, pre-Black Friday Thursday. Thank you. So let's go on to talk about the Sens versus the Blue Jackets. This was a 5-2 Blue Jackets victory. Sens goals are scored by Mike Hoffman and Tom Pyatt. Blue Jackets goals are scored by Cam Atkinson with two. (laughs) Nick Foligno, Tyler Monte, and Marcus Novarada. Shots were 32-26 for the Blue Jackets. Now, Tim, like I said, I didn't watch the game, but I know you watched it, so I will let you take the reins. Yeah, so this game could have been a lot worse for the Ottawa Senators had Craig Anderson not been great for two periods. Do you want to hazard a guess how many shots Ottawa had on net uh, by the end of the first period? I'm going to say over under four. It was five. Like, it was bad. Like, Ottawa did not come to play, and it was a miracle that uh, Ottawa came out of that period tied at one. Because the the Tom Pyatt goal, which is actually a pretty nice goal, all things considered, came pretty much on the heels of the... Sorry, was the goal that broke the ice, and then Atkinson responded pretty quickly after that. Uh, Columbus got some very significant zone time after that, and then the period kind of tapered off. Now, there was a bit of... The second period was a fairly controversial one. Really? Because there were not one, but two goals. Like, there were two goals that 
people felt were questionable. Okay, which ones? Local calls, sorry. Uh, the Nudivara goal uh, had a lot of Ottawa fans up in arms because uh, a similar play, uh, if you'll remember, incidental contact with the goaltender. Uh, oh. I think it was Zach Smith making the contact. Yep, yeah, that was against the Red Wings. Against the Red Wings was called off. Nudivara's goal was in a very similar style when the Columbus Blue Jackets player, I believe it was uh, Mate, uh, tapped Craig Anderson. Okay. The goal counted. Really? Yes. Uh, what's an? I guess this just kind of goes to show that uh, no, nobody like most of the Twitter reaction to that goal was this thing should be waved off. There was incidental contact. After the call, after the good goal call was made, uh, mo- the Twitter reaction was. I don't understand goaltender interference. No, no, that's just stupid. I mean, look, if they're not counting Smith's goal against the Red Wings and counting this, then really, like, where do you define goalie interference? Because on the Smith one, it clearly showed that Howard pushed off him before the goal went in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Yeah, I don't really know about this one, and honestly, I'm all for video review, but you have to get it right. Yeah. The problem isn't video review. The problem is the refs can't get it right. Mm-hmm. And this moves on to a second point with a nifty goal. Like, the Ottawa Senators had what appeared to be a goal after they beat Bobrovsky clean. However, on further review it was ruled that the goal did not cross the line. However, there was no... It was ruled a goal on the ice, but there was no conclusive video evidence showing that the puck did not cross the line. It was circumstantial at best. Ottawa definitely did play this period a little better, but uh, I felt like Ottawa kind of lost control of the game after having two pretty controversial goals go against them. Okay. However, the third period did look a lot better for the Senators, but uh, I felt Andy looked a bit weaker. A bit weaker. Yeah. And uh, Atkinson and Foligno scored, and then that was kind of it. Uh, before Overall, we go into the, sorry, Tim, before was, we go into the next game, I do have a clip I want to bring up, but I will finish. I'll let you finish your thought first before we do that. Yeah, it was, the Senators did definitely play better in the third. But they really couldn't put away anything, including another really bad-looking power play. And uh, Mate's goal into the empty net came after a bobbled pass. And I bl- sorry, the Atkinson go- goal in the third period was off of a another Burroughs mistake. And I guess this is one of those frustrating things: is you've got Nick Paul again was pretty low on ice time. Uh, he played only six minutes. Wow. Gabriel Dumont only played nine. While you've got Alexander Burroughs, who was directly victimized on basically the game winner, got 15 minutes of ice time. I think I saw that on Twitter. That people were reacting to that. And then Johnny Oduya oh, getting more minutes than Shabbat, even though Johnny Oduya doesn't even look like he can handle 10 minutes of ice time. No, and I know even against the Capitals when Ovechkin scored, Oduya just stopped. Like, he stopped moving. He looked like he was gliding towards him. Mm-hmm. At least CeCe looked like he tried to stop him. Yeah. 
And that's another frustrating thing that I've noticed is uh, I'm not sure if it was the Islanders game or the game against Washington, but Cody Cece had more minutes than Eric Carlson did at. No, it was the Islanders game. Cece had more minutes than Eric Carlson at one point in the game. Wow. And at that point, that's just player mismanagement. Yep. Carlson did end up uh, eclipsing CC in minutes, but yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on Cody CC at this point in the season? At this point of the season, uh, it really depends. I mean, he's definitely shown signs that he is really developing into his own as a defenseman, but at times he looks like the Cody CC of last season. Yeah. And here's the thing is I've been noticing in the pairings that he really, he is the line anchor. Right. Like when you look at uh, players like who've played more than 50 minutes of uh, five on five hockey, Cody CC in terms of possession comes out as the second worst in the worst in the NHL. Wow. I mean, I'm not surprised quite frankly, but still when you tell me that it's, it's like, really? And we're still giving him ice time. Yeah, and I think the thing is, it's. I think Cody CC will be better in a reduced role, because he's playing against his quality of competition through the roof. Mm-hmm. Like he's playing against some of the best players, night in, night out, and getting absolutely destroyed. Him and Dion Phaneuf are getting absolutely destroyed, and I feel like Dion Phaneuf would be better served with a better partner. Like I think the Phaneuf Shabbat line might actually be better because Shabbat's speed. And really good defensive IQ would really complement Dion Phaneuf's game. And it's interesting because both Phaneuf and Borvietsky, uh, CC's common partners, are better away from CC than they are with him. Part of that's probably because they're playing with Eric Carlson. Yeah. But I think part of that's also CC is above his head. And if you're playing with CC, you're playing hard minutes. So, do you got anything more you want to talk about this game, or should we go on to the next one? No, this is another game that was just... Ottawa didn't come out, the confidence was clearly shot, and yeah, you can definitely tell that the team's in a slump. Yep. <coughs> and things just really, really weren't going. Alright, Tim, so let's go into our fourth and final game of the evening. The New York Islanders versus the Ottawa Senators. This was a 2-1 Islanders victory. Islanders' goals were scored by Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle. Sens' goals were scored by Matt Duchesne. pretty big applause yeah it's pretty good big applause yeah uh this is a game that other than a few spurts by both teams neither team was really in it yeah i think new york and the islanders played the better game for sure well let's well, let but, me go into this first of all uh shots were 32 24 for the senators now you were saying you thought the islanders played the better game overall ottawa played a better game in this than they have in the last couple of games combined the Sens did play an exciting exciting third period, which saw Matt Duchesne score his first as a senator. With that being said, though, the Islanders 
like you said, outplayed Ottawa for most of the game. And while it might not have shown on the scoreboard, it definitely showed at times throughout the game. Mm-hmm. One thing I did notice, though, is once Duchesne got that monkey off his back, it was all Ottawa the rest of the game. And, like, it was just... You could see that this was the team that that started the year. Like, it, they were playing fast, it was upbeat, and it was fun to watch. Like, I'm not going to lie, the Islanders game was just kind of boring because both teams... Man- well, they're both... Ca- they're managing they're managing the neutral zone very well. But I found that when Ottawa finally got the puck, it was a lot of sloppy play. A lot of just pucks weren't go passes weren't going the way they wanted them to, and well Johnny Oduya got sixteen minutes of ice time. Ugh. On the flip side, at least Burroughs was limited to ten. Yeah. One thing I noticed in this game was that the referees were not letting anything go in this game, and it resulted in a number of penalties for both teams. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I was pretty—I'm pretty happy that that was the case. Yeah, and the and the fact that only one goal was scored on the power play too, given all the penalties that were in this game, is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Well, Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa was. Uh... Penalty, Ottawa's penalty kill was on point tonight. Oh, for sure. Which I don't think can be said of the rest of the team. No. Although, Pajot actually, like, there are a few senders that actually had pretty, like, pretty good games, all things considered. Like, Pajot was, he was great all over the ice. Like, when he was on the ice, the puck was generally going the way it needed to go. Right. But, uh, yeah, I felt that just the Ottawa blue line in aggregate played a pretty weak game. Uh, you can definitely see why Freddie Clay, like Freddie Clayson's been having a rough go of it lately. Yeah. And I can, I even understand why he was, he was benched against, uh, Freddie Clayson was benched against Columbus on his birthday, no doubt. We did for, I did forget to mention that in the Columbus game. How old is he now? 25? 25. And three days. Well, shit. Yeah, because he played an absolute... He did not have a good game against... Uh, he didn't have a good game against uh, Washington. And for the most part, he was... I felt like he had a bad Corsi game, but he was generally making the right de- defensive moves against uh, the Islanders. Right. It was just, like, a very tight check, well-played game by the Islanders. And good on Jordan Eberle for, like, after the media shitstorm he's been involved with. Good for him for potting one. Yeah, absolutely. I have to mention, there was a tweet by former Senator Mike Commodore, and he was talking about the Oilers saying that the Oilers, what they need to do to, need to, do to get out of the slump is to go out on the town, go on a really good rager, and then play play guilty the next day i honestly feel this is what ottawa should do they should just go out get totally hammered and play totally guilty this coming week against the Habs. yeah well do you think they could play system hockey if they're hung over well i don't know we haven't seen it yet tim well they're not playing very well sober so yeah why not right yeah, because this extends the Ottawa Senators' losing streak to six games. Yeah, and that puts us at what eight, eight, and six right now. 
Yeah, which is a pretty brutal record, all things considered. Yeah. Yeah, because over the last two weeks and uh, and six games, the Senators have one point to show for it. Yeah, and that's why I've grown an ulcer this past week, Tim. Yeah, and honestly, like these games were, they were really just hard to watch. Yeah, like, I mean, I didn't get a chance to watch them live. Like I said, I watch them hours after they happen. But yeah, it's it's tough sitting here watching these games when they're losing. Like, oh, good God, I can't believe we're going to talk about this this week. And there aren't a lot of bright spots other than, I guess, the continued production of Mark Stone, Mike Hoffman, and then Matt Duchesne finally getting the monkey off his back. Um Tom Pyatt actually had a few good games in there as well. Yes, he has. I thought he has played exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. The one thing I definitely noticed is, like, yeah, Carlson and Bobby Ryan are definitely out of their element. You almost have to wonder if Carlson was rushed back from maybe Carl, maybe Carlson's foot isn't good. Well, considering that, and you can look back on the summer that he had. Like, he didn't work out. All he did was a physio. He didn't skate all summer. So I understand like he's Eric Carlson, he's the best defenseman in the league, but he's still human. Like you got to realize how many games is it going to take until his legs finally get going. Mm-hmm. But you know and what? The, fact the thing that he is, lost Tim, is that he has flip bone. exactly. But the thing is, he has shown that his foot at times doesn't even look like it's bothering him. Other times, he looks so sluggish out there. It's like, wow, like I hardly even recognize him out there. Yeah, it's definitely rough and i wish the guy all the best because goddamn, we need it absolutely does the schedule get any easier here on out uh yes and no i will quickly bring the schedule up to show you because i know next week we are playing the habs and the islanders and i'll just quickly look this up who are we playing Let's see okay yeah so it says canadians Islanders, Jets, Ducks, Kings, Sharks, Sabres, Rangers, and then Habs. So we have four games again next week? No, we only got two games next week, and then the week after, we were back to four. Oh, wow. Yeah, but the week after that, we only got three games to talk about. Mm-hmm. One of which I'll be on, lo- on location for. Hey, nice. Yeah. Actually, I think I'll... I'll probably be on location for some games next... Well, I'll be on location for a game next week as well. Nice. Which game? Um, Let's see where... Well, I probably won't be able to actually watch it, but I will be in Ottawa next week, so I'll have to look up at the schedule. Okay. Yeah, but it's... uh, Yeah, I guess one more thing we haven't really talked about is... Have either of us noticed Gabriel Dumont? Has he even played yet? Uh, let's see. Yes, he played in the Columbus game and in the Islanders game. Didn't re- didn't notice them in the Islander game and didn't watch the Blue Jacket game, so I don't know. He was pretty invisible in the the Blue Jackets game, and as far as the Islanders game went, uh, he was on the ice for one of the goals against, but frankly, I didn't even notice. Okay. Well, Tim, if you have no more notes, I guess that wraps up the games for the evening. Yep. All right. Now, I would go into a close at the moment. However, you know what I totally forgot that we didn't do, Tim? What didn't we do? First of all, we didn't discuss our week, and we didn't talk about 
the previous week's episode. So I feel we should close it out with that. So, Aww. How, how was your week, Tim? That was pretty good. Didn't really do all that much. Uh, work was kind of busy. I get well. I guess we did have that uh, American Thanksgiving on Thursday. Thursday, and then oh, I went Black Friday shopping at Safeway. That was pretty funny. Get anything good? So. Uh, normally, I go out to play cards with some friends, uh, and afterwards we go somewhere to go out somewhere to eat. So our we couldn't find anywhere to park, so we parked in the Safeway parking lot. Right. And I realized, like, I was like, "Oh, I wonder if Safeway has Black Friday deals." The answer is it does. Okay. So uh, we ended up buying like ten boxes of sorry, six boxes of oatmeal, uh, like five of the big boxes of cereal. <laughs> Just and, because? like, a shitload of sausage. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just because of them, them Air Miles deals. Yeah, oh, that's funny. And then we got our friend to help us unload the groceries. Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and then I was supposed... There was supposed to be a Pokemon card uh, tournament on Sunday, but there just wasn't enough people for it to fire, so... That was kind of interesting. Okay. Yeah, so uh, my life of my life is average. How about you? Can't complain. Back to work on Tuesday afternoon. One thing I didn't talk about because last week we were recording on a Sunday night. So Monday night I went to a local establishment called the Cobblestone, and so I went there to watch Monday night football with a coworker of mine who ended up not showing up because his sister who had broken her leg and gotten a couple of infections in her leg, ended up in the hospital again. Goddamn. Yeah, so I sat on the stool, which, believe me, if you've ever sat on a bar stool for roughly two and a half, three hours, it's a very uncomfortable seat. Yeah, I can't imagine, like, spending more than half an hour on a bar stool. Yeah, exactly. And I know sitting there watching the game and... It was not a great game by Seattle, even though they did come back and we came within a field goal of tying it up, which Blair fucking Walsh, the guy can't hit a broadside of a goddamn barn, decided to miss a 52-yard field goal by coming short. Jesus. Then he missed a field goal yesterday. Fuck, we should just cut him. I miss Hauska. Yeah. And I also didn't watch the Grey Cup either, so... Yeah, I didn't watch it either. Yeah. Speaking about people, we should cut Johnny Oduya. Yeah, let's cut him too, because he's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Sorry, so let's talk about last week's episode. Did you get a chance to listen to it? We didn't have a ton of games to talk about, but I think it went pretty well. Yeah, I thought it went well, other than I couldn't pronounce Atkinson. (laughs) You've been listening to that, and I'm like, oh, God. And it's such an easy name. How did I not pr- mispronounce? How did I mispronounce his name? I don't. I don't know. You're always surprised by that sort of thing, though. I think our side stories were better than the main attraction that episode. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like poopfish. Yeah, I like how I put it up on Twitter. It says I don't know how Frank would feel about our discussion about white tuna, but I know he'd like our sense talk. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that just about wraps it up then. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I guess we'll head into the close, eh, Tim? Yep. All right. 
Well, guys, that wraps up another episode of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy them because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. They're you better find us we on, Yeah, exactly. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Third Line Plug Sensecast. Because our bot Dave mentioned to me that he likes to listen to Google Play Music and not iTunes. We're on Google Play Music. Third Line Plug Sensecast, you can find us on there. We are on Twitter. Our show is at Third Line Plug. I am Great White Gipster, G-R-8-W-A-T-E Gipster. Tim is M901 Honey Badger. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about White Tuna, talk about the games, or talk about America Thanksgiving, choose an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. So, for the week ahead, Tim, we're back to only talking about two games. We got the Montreal Canadiens on Wednesday night and the New York Islanders on Saturday night. Maybe we'll get a W in there somewhere too. Hopefully, and hopefully I won't have an ulcer after this week. Yeah. Well, now that Duchesne's got that monkey on his back off his back, I really hope he kinda lets lets wild and fills that net. I hope so too. Until God, next... we need it. Yeah, exactly. Until next week, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Tim Jetsy. Go Sens, guys. So long, my time here is up. They're going home!